Alright, beautiful. Alright, I... Okay, today I just want to start by sort of talking about the story of um, Samson in the Bible. Um, well, we all know it, don't we? I really love that story. It's it's a guy about it's a story about a really strong guy with long flowing hair going around flexing his muscles, then gives up his secret in a moment of weakness, which results in him being captured and tied to the temple pillars. Eventually, gets his redemption um, pray, by praying to God to restore his strength which God does, and then Samson uses his strength to cause the pillars to collapse, killing all the Philistines inside and freeing the Israelites. It's a lot, it's a lot like a like classic superhero story. It's got the part where the hero's going great, everything's going for him. Um, it's got the part where things start to go wrong for the hero and doesn't know how to recover from it. And then... It ends up with the part where he finds the way through the adversity, ultimately ending up as, as the victor. It's a pretty great story, right? It's one we all heard at Sunday School with this idea that Samson is this like really awesome guy who does really cool things. Um, I mean, the super strength thing is pretty cool, but if we actually take it out of its context um, and look, look, at, look deeply at the story itself, it's pretty horrific and gruesome. His anger caused a lot of death and destruction. He killed 30 men to pay, just to pay off a debt. He burned the Philistines' crops and a bunch of foxes with it. Um, he ended up killing a 1,000 men with a donkey's jawbone. Eventually, he fell in love with another Philistine woman, Delilah. Um, their relationship was, was pretty toxic. She was just using him so that the Philistines could essentially get rid of his power and um, take away what the Israelites had. Even the whole temple thing is pretty gruesome. His, his last act on earth um, was the death of heaps of people. Um, it says in the Bible that um, his, in his death he, he killed more people than when he was alive. His, the, the whole story revolved around death and destruction. Um, his life is not one we should necessarily look at to follow um, the example of, yet he was the one chosen by God in that moment to take Israel out of their enslavement. But Samson wasn't the only judge. I mean, in the book, there was, there was I think there was 11 more. So each of them were um, appointed under very, relatively the same circumstances in the same sort of cycle, um, which was the Israelites had peace. They'd just been freed. They, they followed God as their king and their provider. Um, and Because they didn't, they didn't have an earthly king, they just... Um, God, they've just followed God and then they would eventually take advantage of that, get complacent and start doing wrong in the eyes of God they would then as punishment essentially get enslaved by a powerful enemy then God would appoint a judge to get them out of these circumstances and if we actually take a look at who these judges were they were often odd characters or strange choices if we look at Deborah for example in the times that they were in a woman leading was unheard of. Or Gideon, he's the man who doubted. He doubted God's choice in him, even to the extent where he asked for miracles to happen in order for him to believe. God has, he has a way of raising these kinds of people, these unexpected people, to do his work in the world. It seems to be the way of the Bible that God will often use unexpected people at unexpected times to fulfill his purposes. We can see this all the way back in the start of Genesis. If you look at Genesis chapter 1 to 11 are all about creation, then the fall of humanity, and then the floods. If we look at chapter 12, it 
that's where it starts to talk about redemption, how, how God is going to redeem the world from what happened. Well, where does he start? Who, the people who he uses to start this redemption is, is Abraham and Sarah. And these, these are not at all the people you'd expect to come in and do the job God needs them to do. They're both really old. They're old enough that Sarah can't have kids anymore. Nevertheless, God comes to them and tells them that they will be the father and mother of many nations. Of course, at that age, they, they doubted God. But he fulfilled his promises um, of, of uh, them being the father and mother of many nations, that, that kings will eventually come from them. Everything he promised, he delivered. If we look a bit further, past the judges into a time where Israel had kings, we can have a look at David. Now, David wasn't the obvious choice either. Um, he was, God wasn't happy with Saul at the time, and so God sent Samuel to appoint another leader. Um, and he sent, he sent Samuel on the way to Jesse's house. Um, so when he got there, uh, he asked Jesse um, for, to sh- essentially just show all of his sons and um, see which one God favoured. Jesse went through all his sons, starting from the oldest, um, and went down through all of them, and God didn't find favour in any of them. And so when there was no one left, Samuel asked Jesse if there was another one. And as it turns out, there was. He was out in the field tending the sheep, because Jesse didn't think he was going to be the choice. He was the unlikely choice, yet he was the one that God chose. If we keep moving forward uh, in time a bit further, through, through the line of David, we end up with Jesus. He's another guy who was unlikely. I mean, he was, he was chosen by God before his, his birth as the saviour of humanity and everlasting prince. He was God embodied on earth, but he's still unlikely. Like if we look at, look at his mother, um, Mary, before Jesus, she wasn't anything significant in the world's eyes. She was just another, another woman. But when, and then when he was born, he didn't have a bed to rest his head on, just that little manger and a bit of hay. He didn't have a home to his name for the first part of his life. But as we all know, Jesus was the ultimate redemption. He died on the cross for our sins. When God came down to earth as a man... He didn't come down as the son of a powerful king or of a wealthy man. He came down as a boy whose dad was a carpenter, as a boy who didn't have much money growing up, as a boy who no onlooker would have guessed would have been the Messiah. God chose to represent himself on earth as someone unexpected. I want this to be an encouragement to all of us as well because it shows... Essentially, no matter where we've come from or our backgrounds or whatever actions we've taken in the past, God can still use us to fulfill his purposes. Even if we think at times that we aren't what God needs us to be, we can just look back at these examples of Abraham, the judges, David, even the ultimate example of Jesus. What God is saying through these examples is that we're all invited into this because God used and will continue to use unexpected people to do his purpose for the world. That's my encouragement for everyone today, is not to discount yourself from whatever God's plan is, because we've seen that God seems to use the, use the people who don't look like 
they're right for the job. All right, let me pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, I pray for everyone here um, going into uh, the next term. Um, I pray that you can provide peace and comfort to everyone, um, no matter what their circumstances. And I pray um, that people can just help you use this message and take comfort in um, in God's choices, even even if they don't think they're worthy or don't think that they're the right person, that no matter what God decides um, to do with their life, that they can take comfort in knowing that they are the right choice. I pray for everyone, um, everyone's uh, day today, that they can just go out and um, spread your word and spread your joy with, with, with someone else. I pray all this in your name. Amen.